the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It is Open Line Friday. And on Fridays, you can call and talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, You can call now, and uh, we'll get to your phone call. I want to talk a little bit about the economy. There was economic news today that is uh, interesting, a little mixed, but uh, some good and some bad. I think we've got a good jobs report. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over 300,000 new jobs last month. And that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000, 12,000 jobs. He means 12 million. Jobs since they took office. Nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. He means 8 million. That means overall, we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. He means to not tell you that it's because of all the jobs coming back after COVID. And uh, I think all this matters. It's no accident. Well, it <laughs> I don't know if it's an accident or not, but, you know, it is a good thing that jobs are coming back, that jobs have come back from the COVID. And the, the unemployment rate actually went, ticked up a little bit, but that is probably because more people now are in the workforce. That has been a, a question that I've had for a long time, is that is unemployment so low just because a lot of people dropped out? You know, and a lot of people did. A lot of people said, you know what, I don't need this extra job or I want to stay home with the kids or there's just different reasons why people maybe were working. Now people are coming back into the workforce. And some people think, though, that's because of inflation, including uh, senior adults who are coming back into the workforce who thought they were going to retire, but they can't because the economics are very, very bad when it comes to uh, the inflation. And, uh, we need to keep praying for our country through this because the inflation is still a bad problem. It's getting downplayed because it's not as bad as it was last summer. But I noticed something. I noticed when I filled up my car uh, yesterday with uh, with gas, uh, it was 60 cents a gallon more than the last time I remember paying attention to the price. Like I think it got down to $4.15, which by the way, is still outrageously high. But a lot less than the, what was it, 6 and $7. I think at least once I paid $7 last summer. So it's nicer at four fifteen. But now it's back up to four seventy five at what I think is probably the cheaper place to get gas. So $0.60 cents just in the last few weeks anyway, uh, it's going up. That's going to affect us quite a bit. And uh, I think we need to be, uh, if I were giving economic advice today, uh, and I'm not an economic advisor or any of that, but I would tell you, you know what, save your money. Probably a, a good idea to say that we're going to have pretty bad inflation. Inflation is over 6%, and it is significant because wages are not growing quite as fast. It has been something that people have talked about 
you know, we need wages to go up. We've needed that now for a couple of decades, and they finally did start to go up a little while ago. But now inflation has passed it up. So wage increases are four percent, but if if inflation is six percent, then actually you're lost two percent. That's probably not exactly the right math, but your if your wages are not increasing at the same rate as inflation, then your dollars that you're earning are not as as uh, not not what they used to be. And that is a pretty significant, significant thing. We had a bank failure today, and people are nervous about it. I don't know that it's, you know, going to be another crisis like we saw in 2008. Um, but it's a scary thing, isn't it? If you are our Silicon Valley uh, bank customer, uh, you probably should give them a call and uh, find out what's going on. If you are backed if the if you have less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in in the bank account then the government is going to protect you the government will uh back it up that's how it goes <clears throat> how many of you have that much in one in one bank account uh if you've got more than that in a bank account then you're not paying much attention but you know if a bunch of banks start to fail then it doesn't really cover you very well and so it's an important thing to be paying attention and to to watch all of this. Uh, this is Cecilia Rose. She is giving a report from the Biden administration about the bank collapse. And this is why we have the FDIC and other safeguards in place in our banking system. And what I would say to them is that our Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Secretary Yellen, the bank regulators, those who provide the guardrails and are safeguarding, are are closely watching and are prepared to use the tools that they need. All right, so they're doing that, and hopefully it's going to function the way it's supposed to function, but it, it does make people nervous. I think it really, you know, for most of us, we are concerned about the gas prices, about the price of food, about the price of the different thing, the Southern California Gas Company. My gas bill, by the way, is going to be high again. Like it was super high in January. February wasn't too bad, but this one, I get that little preview email that says, "Hey, here's where you're." It's super high again. This affects people's lives. the 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 thing to think about is for for some of us, when we have inflation and we have these prices going up, it just means we're not going to go out to eat as much. It means that we are, you know, maybe not going to take that vacation. We'll have a staycation, but it doesn't really affect how we eat. But for some of us listening, and this is something I always want to point out when we get this economic news, the inflation, the prices going up, the price of gas, particularly gasoline, but also natural gas, you know, home energy, things like that. There are many, many people in our communities who this is the difference between having a meal and not having a meal. It's the difference of being able to afford to put gas in the car to get to work and no longer being able to do that. It really is that close that there are so many of us who are living on the edge. And when that Southern California gas bill shows up and it's $100 more than it was last month, when we go to fill up the tank in our car and suddenly it's $60, now it's $80 and it gets up to $100, you know, that that blows the budget for a lot, a lot of people. And last hour we were talking about noticing people and how the church needs to do this. I want to encourage you during tough financial times to notice your neighbors and even some people who you think might have it, have everything put together. There's a statistic that Dave Ramsey likes to quote that seven out of 10 uh, households in any neighborhood Whatever neighborhood you live in, whatever you're at in the economic scale, seven out of 10 are living paycheck to paycheck. That people, 
who are poor, you're just living paycheck to paycheck as much as you can. But even people who are very wealthy tend to overspend and find themselves in a place where they're going to lose their house and lose other stuff because they are paycheck to paycheck, even if it's huge money. I don't know why people do that. If you make a lot of money, why? Why do you just you know, move down the hill a little bit, you know, and uh, drive a Honda, not the Lexus or whatever, and just enjoy giving some money away and helping people? Anyway, um, just be aware. Notice this with your neighbors. All right. The president also uh, put out his new budget. Uh this week. And uh, here's the way it goes. When the president puts out a budget, um, it will immediately not be passed. And that's not new. That's not unusual. That's how it goes. So if if the president puts out a budget and the Congress is the House of Representatives is the other party, that budget is dead on arrival. And if it's the same party, what tends to happen is they say, oh, great budget, great budget, great budget. But what they actually pass is some completely different budget. It's the House of Representatives, by the way, where the money gets spent. Just a little uh, lesson there. We tend to blame the president or give credit to the president. And he has got a role. You know, he's not without, you know, some kind of role with it. But the House of Representatives, those 435 people, they're the ones ultimately responsible for where the money goes. They're the ones who are responsible ultimately for the national debt. Now, the president might go along with it. Presidents, you know, submit budgets with big deficits, but the Congress doesn't have to go for it. The Congress can say, no, Mr. President, we're not going further into debt. They have the authority to do that. They're the ones. And that's something to just keep in mind with the politics of of the economy. The president probably has less to do with a lot of it than the actual House of Representatives. So we'll see what the Republicans do. They will likely pass a budget that will be uh, very far to the right, and uh, so the Democrats are going to con- you know, criticize that, and they're going to say you're pushing the old ladies out of the wheelchair down the cliff, which they tend to do. And then somewhere eventually there will be some budget passed, and everybody says we're glad to pass this budget, and it will probably have tremendous deficits uh, in it. And that has to end. Unfortunately, that is uh, where we're at with this. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz was on TV, and he was talking about some things that are in the budget. So the budget that the president puts forward, he knows it's not going to pass. So, And other presidents do the same thing. They know it's not really going to pass. And what's happened over time, particularly the last 20, 25 years, these budgets have been more political statements to sort of send a message to your base for what your priorities are. And, you know, I think that people hear it and they go, oh, President Biden's going to do this or President Trump was going to do this or President Obama. But we never hear about what actually gets passed. Sometimes some of those things in it, but a whole lot doesn't. This budget that's passed is something that is just loaded with all kinds of legislation and language um, that is driving some far-left causes. This is Senator Ted Cruz, uh, who did a word search on the budget. All right, here's how many times the following words appear in the budget. Equity, 63 times. Climate, 148 times. Environmental justice, 25 times. Transgender, 8 times. Intersex, which I have no idea what that is, seven times. All right, so those are the words that are big in the budget. And if you read this kind of document, now this stuff, by the way, in California gets passed. All right, these things in the state of California, this budget that Biden put forward is not going to get passed. But in the state of California, the laws are being written with all of that kind of language in there. It's pretty significant. And then Ted 
went through some other things that people are more likely to care about in the budget, and this is what he found. So things the American people care about, inflation only 10 times, fentanyl twice, border security eight times, police four times, law enforcement nine times, crime 24 times, and gas prices three times. So that's uh, what you're having in the budget. You know, it is a practice that I think is worth it to call your representatives and get engaged in what we're doing. The biggest thing to me, I think, over time is it really is the uh, national debt, $31 trillion. The projection now is that it will go to $50 trillion by, I think they said, 2035 or something. And, you know, when the president, when President Biden, he likes to say that he's lowering the deficit. Uh, he is, but all that's happened is they're removing most of the COVID spending. That's it. The budget deficit last year was six hundred trillion or six hundred million billion dollars more than twenty nineteen. See, it was a trillion and a half less than twenty twenty because of the COVID spending. But it's not coming down. The emergency is over. That's ending. But we are spending ourselves into a terrible oblivion. And I'm telling you, the way this is going to happen is eventually, just like Silicon Valley Bank, one day we're going to wake up and all of a sudden we're going to learn that the federal government is going to stop payment on a whole lot of stuff that we rely on. Trust me, and that's not that's going to happen with a Democrat or a Republican. It could happen either way. That's where the debt goes. If you've experienced that in your life, I have. I've experienced it in my life where I used to have terrible debt. I have no debt now, but I used to have terrible debt. And I'll tell you what, it eventually you're managing it. You're managing it. Things are fine. And then one day you wake up and you realize you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, that's coming. We've got to pray for our nation that way. All right. This is Southern California Live. It's open line Friday. And we've got a few things to discuss, but I want to go to the phones because we'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. And let's go to Ted, City of Angels. How you doing, Ted? How you doing, Scott? I'm doing fine, Ted. Hey, uh, you want to talk about a caller that we had at the end of the hour who asked a question about whether or not it would be okay to have a gun. Is that right? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I actually want to apologize on behalf of being critical of Obama uh, him saying, making fun of us. I don't think, I think it was uh, a godsend for him to say that basically Americans are clinging to oh, their Bible. And- <laughs> clinging to their Bible and their guns, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, I think that's a fantastic idea because I don't think you should buy a gun unless you have a Bible. That's the owner's manual on how to properly own a gun, which explains, you know, that you have to keep that certain content. You know, there's a time for love, a time for peace, Joy. Well, there is a, we talked about how there's a matter of the heart and of wisdom in those questions uh, that right. is there. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, like I say, you know, uh, if I was uh, in charge of the gun dealers, I would say you should give everybody a free Bible when you get when you sell a gun. <laughs> and then they will know well, how to own a gun properly, and we will have less um, problems with the guns. And then we could also the responsible citizens defending uh, the United States of America in crisis when it's needed, like the Minutemen. If that day so happens, you know. All right, Ted, I appreciate uh, your call and your thoughts about that. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Rodney in Inglewood. Rodney, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, I'm Pastor Scott. Yeah. I'm getting, 
I'm getting addicted to your show. Oh, well, that's what Even we though, do. That's what we try to do. It happens because I'm sitting here drinking though, a coffee, and it's the caffeine, and it just comes through your radio. But you know, like 50% of the stuff that you say and your guests say I agree with, and it's 50% I do not agree with. No. In guns, I watched a program on the news years ago. I was about 20 years ago. You may have heard about it. I don't know if you're Amish people. They wear the beards. They don't yeah, the Amish people. Technology. Yeah. And so uh, this family had allowed this young male to come and stay with them. He was poverty stricken. He said he was, didn't have any money and they took care of him. Mm. And so what occurred is that raped and killed his daughter. I think I, think I remember that. I think I remember on, that story. And they put him on death row. No, his son. It was his son. And he says, this is my new son. He begged for his life. Yeah. Now when we uh, mix up politics, we had a similar conversation before. With religion, what will Christ do? I heard you say, say it earlier. It depends on the degree of your belief and faith. I believe that most Christians are afraid of death, even though they know they're going to go to heaven. They're and afraid of death. Uh, Christians believe that they love their family so much. Uh, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit love them more. When you die, you're going to go to a better place. They don't want to come back. If you ever study near death experiences, they don't want to come back. And so, when you talk about what uh, the Bible, well, in so many words I may have misinterpreted, you will endorse a gun to defend a life of a family or loved one. I believe that Jesus would say no. It's like Peter that tried to defend Christ and cut off uh, one of the military people. I, was just, oh, I forgot what they're called. Uh, he cut off Malchus's uh, ears of the Roman uh, guard. Yeah, and, 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 and Christ rebuked Peter and put his ear back. If your faith, if we uh, dis-evolve that, I mean, uh, disconnect that with politics, and it's totally on a spiritual uh, level, if your faith is extremely strong, it's not, you know, my faith is not that strong. I'm still a sinner. I still fight over this. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell. Uh-huh. Uh, you would believe it so much. You believe in the Word of God so much and believe in the Bible so much. You're in the Old Testament, I for I and two for two, double before Jesus had died for our sins. And then we can get up into another subject. Uh, God uh, predates history, and he knows about before he's past, mm-hmm. present, and future, and you have Enoch, and people are like, how, how can he go to heaven and Christ have died? That's another subject matter. Yeah. Well, but if a person believes in the Bible, even though they believe in it, and they may not have the courage, and they may have the fear, I do, uh, I used to live in the South Central, my father gave me a gun, hmm. and I used to walk around with that gun with me 
so long that it seemed like it was legal. I would all right. have a gun, like, oh, I forgot my jacket. Oh, I forgot my gun. Yeah. And well, a couple of times I, I could have did. I'm so glad I didn't. But did you? Were you doing about, it because you were defending yourself, or were you doing it because it just felt good, or you felt powerful? Brick, uh, uh, my uh, uh, my father owned property and. Uh, when the tenants uh, started dealing with drugs, taking yeah. the mother out, she got scared. They, and it was uh, my my father. Well, I'm going to use the very words that he says. I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah. Because I'm 71. Yep. Sorry about that, uh, Rodney. I appreciate uh, your quoting uh, somebody there, but we can't say certain things on the air, okay? Uh, so we're tracking with you there, but uh, can't do that. You know, um, we're going to take a break here in a minute. We're talking about. Uh, you know, whether or not it's okay to have a gun. Uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said before, I think that the answer is what is the wise thing to do? People argue about what Jesus might have done. There's an interesting passage in Luke where the disciples ask him in Luke 22 uh, if it's all right to bring a sword. And he says, yeah, they got two swords. And Jesus says that's enough. He seemed to be okay with it. And just as Rodney said, we, we, um, you know, Peter was chastised for cutting off the ear of the Roman soldier, Malchus, but also Peter wasn't attacked at the moment, right? It was not self-defense in that case. So there's a lot of argument that can go here. When we come back, I'll take your calls, and there's a couple of calls uh, with that subject on the line. And it is Open Line Friday. We can talk about anything you want if you'd like to change the subject. We've got some other things to talk about today also. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous, <laughs> what did you say? Murder. That was Jane Fonda on The View today suggesting that as an option to protesting and marching about um, abortion rights, that murder was an option. And uh, it was sort of a joke, and they kind of laughed, but you look on her face was, well, I'm not really joking. And uh, so there's quite a controversy about that. We've been talking about on the show today, it is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557. We've had some conversation about uh, the church today and uh, whether or not it's okay to have a gun. You know, some people have asked, and uh, violence. And, you know, we're living in a culture that is more and more a culture that does not respect human life. And the increase of violence that we are seeing has a lot to do with that. And so it's affecting things, uh, I think, pretty significantly. 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Tanya. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. I seem to be calling there quite often lately. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for calling and joining our show, Tanya. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I just wanted to say, listen, what do you think the Jews would have done had they have had guns back then? You mean in Germany? Nazi Germany? That's right. Yeah, well, there mm-hmm. wouldn't have been a Nazi Germany. Hello? Thank you very much. You just answered my question. Ding! Okay, <laughs> so let's go, into our, let's go into our amendments, okay? We were giving them for the framers for a reason. Now, to let you know, I, I never liked guns. I, didn't, I grew up in Southern California. I had friends that were hunters and whatever. And you know what? I never wanted to get one. Yeah. We're dealing with a different sort of a 
situation now with the heart of man. We have kids that are now being raised, going and robbing places. There was a robbery back east not too long ago. We don't have good examples politically. Let's just get yeah. real. Both sides, we just don't have courageous people. For some reason, the reasoning of courageousness is a lost situation. It's now about being bad. Everything is about wearing black, being bad. You know, there was just somebody just recently who stabbed somebody and killed them. You can take the gun away, but you still got the evil in somebody. Personally, I own a gun. I have no fear about it. I, I've taken every test. I'm a really good shot. And do you think I want to use something like that out of somebody? But, but when it comes down to my daughter yeah. or that situation, you better doggone believe that I'm not going to stand there and sit there and counsel the person. I'm not counseling anybody. We have to look at the reality. Man's heart is dark. Yeah. That's why you accept Christ. That's why the blood of Jesus works. We have to look at the reality of what's going on. We are not in the same place we were. Whoever thought the framers would think this would happen? So if anybody wants to talk about needing a gun or wanting a gun, they're taking your gun away. They're taking your rights away right now. And the next thing will be our money is going to be the change next. So we really need to wake up, go take some lessons, find out where you can get one. And, it's, you know, it's not a matter about you having one. It's about if you're going to use it. And I agree with the caller that also said, have a Bible with it. That's great. But we're in a ridiculous age to think that we cannot feel anymore. This is not about feeling. This is not about left or right. This is about what's going on presently in our public. And if we don't look at this and we don't start seeing the reality, we will end up like Germany. All right, Tanya, I appreciate your call. And uh, you know what, Tanya might be right about that is it's a it's a time where we are we've we've lost law and order. Right. That one one of the reasons, Tanya, that that we I think are seeing this in our culture is so much more violence and other stuff. We've also, we've also lost law and order. We're going to have a topic here pretty soon, uh, maybe next week, on just lawlessness. We don't, we don't even, have police anymore. Well, they're not allowed to police. Yeah, well, because uh, we're council people. They're holding yeah. them to the flame saying they can't do it because they'll sue them. Yeah, Either there's, city there's multiple people. problems. I appreciate your call, Tanya. Thanks for calling in. Listen, Have a great day, yeah, dear. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think some of the people have called, you know, kind of wondering what a Christian's role is in this. And but if you pull back from that, you know, I think Tanya, you know, my view is that the framers were right, that you you have citizens. And if you read about it, by the way, uh, it's definitely the Second Amendment is about individuals being armed. You know, some people try to argue that the commas and if there was a comma or they, they might have meant something else. But the Federalist Papers and other things that the founders wrote about, it is about the armed citizenry, all right, that this is one of the things that prevents tyranny. There's a historical perspective you have to have here. Something else Tanya said, though, that I think matters is that she takes classes, that she did this, that if you feel like you should own a gun, and like I said, you got to ask what's the wise thing to do with, I think, any decision that you're going to make. Um, if you're going to own a gun, then the wise thing to do is go get trained and take the classes and practice and do the things because the worst part about it, I think, is the accidents, uh, the stupid things that people do. And you really got to check your heart. Some people want to do it because they just feel like, like I said, they're James Bond or they're somehow tough guy and uh, you don't want to do that. We, we We were putting a security team together for church several years ago. And, um, you know, one of the things that was really interesting is how many people came up to me to say, uh, hey, I'd like to have a gun. Can I get a, uh, a concealed carry permit? Would you sign off on that? And 
And I thought, you know, some of the people asking me that are people I would not like to be armed on a Sunday morning. Like, I was very happy that we, there was a couple of people, maybe people in my church, if you're listening, you don't know this, but you know what? There there was uh, at least two, two people ready to go <laughs> in uh, the church services. And I would talk to them and say, you, they were professionals, though. They were people who knew what they were doing. And I would just say, hey, don't sit you know, right across from each other. Don't shoot each other. That doesn't make any sense. Um, 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. I wanted to uh, give you the absurdity of the week. And uh, so we'll do that here before uh, before uh, I take any more calls on there. I thought I had a, a sound effect on here, Wilbert, but I'm, I'm not seeing it. Where? Oh, here it is. Hey, what happened? That's terrible. All right, absurdity of the week. It's, this is a hard subject because there are so many different absurdities of the week, but here is one of them from our, our vice president who had this to say. One of the young leaders was talking to me about climate mental health. I said, tell me what's going on with your peers. Climate mental health. And she talked, I said, I think I understand that, but unpack it for me. And she talked about how her peers are thinking about it. One example is, you know, whether when they're ready, could they start a family? Yes. Worried about what that would mean and the stress of it. They were talking about it in terms of their peers trying to figure out, you know, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to make a living. But what can they do and how can they adapt the education that they're having now to their activism? So climate mental health, it's a thing. I think it's it's a result of the fear that has been put in so many people. Uh, about so many things. And climate is one of those things. Whatever you think about climate change and global warming and where we're headed with all of that, whatever the case is, you you just have to deal with it. But what we have been teaching an awful lot is things to young people to be afraid of and to fear. And unfortunately, there is a lot of people who, I don't think it's a lot. Let me Let me take that back. I think it's actually not very many people. But there are quite a few people who are so frightened about the future of the planet that they're not having kids. There are so many people who are frightened about the future of the planet that they, they, are, they really do have so much anxiety. And some of that is parents. Some of it is whatever school they might have gone to where that's a thing. I'm of the opinion that whatever is happening that we should – you know, we should be around about the environment anyway, right? So whatever you think of it, we should be recycling for real, not the phony baloney recycling that we do. I think that's a good thing. I think as stewards of the earth, there's plenty that we can actually do. And whether or not it's having a major impact on the climate, uh, we still should do it. And whatever is out there, you know, I think we also need to be truthful about it. I have a, a good friend. I won't mention who it is or what auto company she works for, but she works for all the car companies are making electric cars, right? It's a big deal. Uh, lots of lots of technology there. And I had this conversation with her about two weeks ago. And my question was, in California, um, we're supposed to have only electric cars by 2035. And I said, is that a reasonable goal? She didn't even think about it. She said, no. Now, this is a person who would like to sell electric cars. This is a person who sa- who is in this business and they're developing them. And she said, no, it's not even possible. The infrastructure won't be there. Nobody at this point is really working on the infrastructure. And she said, you know, over time, we may have a lot more electric cars, but it's not going to happen by then. I thought that was amazing coming from uh, somebody of her stature, uh, that she was that quick to it. And then she said, she said, and the other side of it is, 
the econo- the environmental impact of electric cars is pretty serious. She goes, nobody has an answer for what to do with those batteries when you got to get rid of them. She goes, nobody has an answer for the mining that has to happen for the materials that go into them. And maybe the future will have some new technologies. But she said, you're trading one environmental problem for another one. And the world is going to have to get honest about that. You know, that was her opinion, but I think that she's right. Um, There are so many different things out there. I'm not against electric cars. If you want to go out there and buy one, that's great. And uh, maybe that is a good thing to do in the future. But there's, there's so much that we are learning about the environment that even if it's accurate that putting a whole bunch of carbon in the air is affecting uh, the world's temperature, the things that we're doing to solve that problem, most people who are involved in that actual business don't think it's going to solve that problem. What is it, 5% of uh, the carbon is put out by uh, gasoline-powered cars? I mean, it's hardly going to make an impact. And a study came out, uh, John Stossel did a show on this, where it said that it takes 60,000 miles of your electric car to actually break even on the carbon that you're saving by not having a gas-powered car. Did you know that? I didn't know that. He said that the carbon that's put into the air based on the manufacturing and mining and everything that goes into the battery you have to have for that car is worse than having a gas-powered car until you get to about 60,000 miles on your electric car. Um, Do we know that? Is that something that we're talking about? So the absurdity of the week is we're saying all kinds of things without any depth, without getting into it, without truth, without a clear understanding. We need to go there. My friends, as as Christians, you know, we can't be on on the side of things that aren't true or and and we've got to be in a place where we're able to say, well, you know, we are stewards of the earth. Let's find ways to do that that makes sense regardless of how they actually uh, uh, do one thing or the other. Anyway, I got to take a break here and uh, we'll be back with uh, our program in just a minute as the Friday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. One more segment to go. You know, on Open Line Friday, I never really know for sure where things are going to go. Usually people stick with whatever topic we've been talking about. But, uh, you know, the, the gun thing comes up. And, uh, you know, in in all of that, it just needs to be a sobering subject one way or the other, that um, the reason that people have always carried weapons, right? It's we live in a time where the weapons are, are more deadly and maybe different than in centuries before the invention of the, the gun. But um, there has always been violent people. And there has always been a need to govern that one way or the other, all the way back in your Old Testament, right? Your Old Testament, read it, all those laws. And uh, back then, you know, what do you do with a violent felon? Well, they they get killed. And it's kind of sobering. You hear that, you think, how barbaric. Well, what else? They didn't have prisons. There's no life sentence. There's really, you know, you've got some kind of justice system and judges and, you know, probably, you know, whatever the equivalent would be of police, whether it would be military or it would be, you know, officers of the court, you know, in one way or the other. Um, But you have to deal with this in society. 
And, you know, some interesting comments uh, have been made by callers about uh, you you have to have the Bible with you. you got to have the Bible with you in a way that you actually read it. You know, you got to have the Bible with you in a way where you actually, you know, as you travel through this world and you realize how dangerous it is, that you do make a wise choice. I think that on subjects like this, I know that there are some people who would say, well, a Christian should never have a gun, and there are people who say all Christians should have a gun. And there's definitely the, I think, a a relevant argument. I don't think it's an old argument to say that uh, a country's citizens should be an arm today. There's there's like a weird thing that kind of comes out. Remember, there used to be the idea that war is obsolete, which was a funny thing to say in a century, the 20th century, that saw no more war than anybody else. Um, we I think we would like to believe that as human beings, we are moving beyond the uh, the times of being violent or being genuinely hateful, you know, not like a politically correct hate, but a genuine hate where people would murder each other, that we're moving beyond time with war. You know, we've talked about it. I'm concerned about an actual shooting war with China. I wonder if we are thinking that or the situation in Ukraine, which I think is very dire. There's definitely a a possibility that that turns into a larger war. And, you know, we are we are in a dangerous time. We're in a time where I think people trust their leaders less. And I think that's, you know, all leaders, both parties. Uh, and I'm not trying to criticize leaders right now, of both parties. I'm just saying that there is a general sense that, you know, we don't have the leadership, that we don't have the moral direction for things. Uh, there has always been terrible violence and terrible things that have happened. There's always been corruption. Those things aren't new. So in a way, in a way, you know, we should look at the world and go, it's actually been worse at different times. Uh, and that's true. You know, there's kind of an ebb and flow. But usually when it changes, uh, really bad things have to happen to change the hearts of an entire group of people, uh, an entire culture. You know, and we have to, I think, be very realistic about the truth of the gun violence that we're seeing in schools, the type of weaponry that people have. You know, what typically happens, too, in this is that the people who have, you know, the weapons are people, and everybody goes, why did that person have that? And I think maybe it's the same reason that we don't deal with homeless or we don't deal with other issues is that we, we seem to have the inability to discipline people. We seem to have the sense that we don't want to hurt people's feelings, so we will let them do things that will even harm themselves or harm others in the process. I mean, one of those school shooters that was so terrible, you know, his parents bought them the gun. I think two of them. And they bought, in one case, I think it's the Uvalde one. Wasn't that the one where they, he had threatened violence and threatened, I think, even suicide and other things, and yet his parents went out and got him that gun. See, there's there's a level of things that is beyond just the Constitution or gun rights or the violence that people uh, commit with those guns. There is a comprehensive family problem. And if we want to use the Bible in the conversation, then I think a big part of it is to recognize who we are as people, that we are fallen, that we are sinful, that the world is dangerous, and that uh, we're going to have to find a way from a leadership standpoint 
to be realistic about the fact that it is a violent and dangerous world and be realistic about the fact that some people um, are going to do terrible things unless we do something about it. And often that's predictable, frankly. Sometimes it's not, but often you find out, you know what, there has been a history. I think in the, the officer shooting that happened in Los Angeles this week, the person had been arrested 11 times beforehand, right? There's there's usually a, a pattern leading up to these things that in hindsight, you look and you, and you go, oh, this wasn't a surprise. And this is very complex. It's very difficult. But I think that we don't look the way we used to look. And this is another place where I think as the church, last last segment or last hour, we talked about what's happening in the mountains and how important it is for the church to be noticing what's happening with our neighbors and to be involved with people. I think a lot of it, too, is the result of people who are not even knowing their neighbors so well. There is so much richness to what it means to love your neighbor that Jesus tells us, that it's not a feeling about your neighbor. I think it's about relation, having a relationship with your neighbor, about being so involved at that close level. I feel like we want the government to love our neighbor or the police to love the neighbor or the church as a corporation to love our neighbor, meaning the, you know, the structure and the corporate nature of the church and the building and the address um, and maybe the pastor and staff and deacons or elders or whatever you got. But it's each one of us needs to do that. As Christians, we're the church. And I wonder how many violent things have been stopped. I'll bet it's a lot, an awful lot have been stopped simply because some kid was loved who otherwise would have done something horrible. 888-528-2557. We'll take a, hey, David, how you doing? Culver City. We just got a couple of minutes here, David. Okay, I know, real quickly. Number one, I'm I'm all for people having their handguns and their rifles for hunting. I still think there needs to be some restriction of semi-automatic weapons. Uh, That's number one. Number two, your absurdity of the week is always, for some reason, uh, Democrats. You never, ever talk about the crazy things going on with the Republicans trying to paint uh, January 6th as a tourist uh, excursion. Uh, no, I've, had a, few, I've uh, had a few Republicans. You've probably missed it. Uh, my favorite I, one was when uh, okay. Donald okay. Trump claimed that he could classify uh, items uh, with his mind or declassify okay. items with his mind. That was one of my favorite ones. And I... I apologize. Number three, my biggest point, I think the solution to our political problems is term limits. We need to throw people out after two terms. Look at Congress now. We've got this problem with the debt. Trump increased the debt ceiling three times, made a tax cut. And look at these guys now. What are they doing instead of dealing with the debt ceiling? They're doing they're redoing January 6th and talking about the weaponization of the government instead of dealing with the debt ceiling, which is going to require cutbacks on Medicare, cutbacks on Social Security, or a tax increase, or both. Do you think we have any leaders who are, and I think you're right about that, that that they're not dealing with, and I don't mean just these guys, I think this has been going on now for for quite a long time. Uh, Do we have leaders who are able to get up and say, look, we've got $31 trillion, it's going to be 50, it's time... A Mr. and Mrs. American to uh, start dealing with it, and it's going to hurt. You will never see any politician cut, try to cut back right now in this current environment, cut yeah. back Social Security and Medicare because 
the elderly vote in greater percentage than anybody else. That's the single best predictor if you're going to vote or not is your age. And the elderly, they all get out there and vote. So nobody. It's politics. They're so yeah. Absolutely. It's rough. So we don't have any leadership. Yep. We don't have people that are willing to stand up and say, look, the debt is due to Social Security, Medicare, Medicare and defense spending. And unless we raise taxes, we're going to have to cut that benefit. There's no way around it. Yeah, well, I don't think even the tax I mean, raising is going to do it, right? It's There's so much no, that has to come combination. out. It yep. has to be a combination. Absolutely. All right, David. No, but, but you're never going to get these entrenched politicians to say that. So that's why we need term limits. Two terms and throw them out. Two terms and toss them out. Okay, David, maybe we'll thank you for calling Southern California Live. I'm about out of time. You know what's interesting about the term limit thing? I used to be personally against it, really, and I thought, no, the ballot box is the term limit. And I still feel like that, uh, you know, I don't know, romantically about our system, that we do have term limits. Everybody should vote and throw the bums out. But uh, I'm I'm becoming more and more on the page of, of term limits for just about every office. Uh, maybe they would have less – because we we're not solving the problems. And we are we are passing them on to our kids in significant ways. And like I say a lot on the show, I think that most people, Democrat, Republican alike, 80 percent of us could sit down and uh, we could find agreement on an awful lot of the issues for how to move forward, whether it be guns or the border or health care or, you know, pick your issue. And the the deficit, though, is one that the math just says we're going to have to deal with it. You know, they're having riots in France right now because they're moving the retirement age from 62 to 64. Um, it's, it is something that people aren't going to like, whatever we do. Uh, but that's something new to, to think about. But also, I'll leave you with this. It's a great thing, isn't it, that our hope is in Jesus Christ it's a great thing that he's never going to leave us, that there's not a deficit in heaven's spending, that God's economy is perfect. And, you know, and all these things, we talked about the frightening, you know, thing that happened to kids with the climate and everything. We have no reason to be afraid as Christians because Jesus died for us, because the purpose of everything in this world actually is not our our political satisfaction, but it is so that we get to be with God forever because of his grace and mercy. And that's what we're about. And I got to leave you with that because we're done for today. Thank you, everybody. Southern California Live. I'll see you on Monday. God bless. Have a good one. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.